Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you buy and sell and keep you informed about what's happening in the industry. Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. When I was selling heavy duty parts for large distributors, one of the things that we didn't sell a lot of was engine parts. It was a category that for two of the main distributors I work for, they didn't really get involved in that at all. And I always felt like we were missing out because of it. You know, engine parts is one of those critical components it's it's definitely something that is important for keeping vehicles commercial vehicles on the road and when you're selling parts you want to be able to provide them with a total solution but some distributors especially in the aftermarket tend to shy away from selling engine parts and so today we're going to tackle this and find out why exactly heavy duty parts distributors should be selling heavy-duty diesel engine parts. And to help us with that, we've got a returning guest. I'd like to bring Bill Murth back on the podcast, and he is the Director of Business Development for IPD. Now, he was episode 10, and again, Bill was on in episode 74, and links will be in the show notes if you'd like to go back and watch those episodes. But we're really happy to have Bill back on the show to be able to discuss this important subject with us. Bill, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. Jamie, it's great to be back. You're looking good. Ah, thank you very much. So are you. Always happy to talk to you about uh, this great industry that we work in. Bill, let's get right to it. Why should parts distributors embrace selling engine parts for diesel engines, the heavy duty engine parts? Because it's a good business and it's it's a good margin and it's important. I mean, in your intro, you, you you had said that you worked for distributors that uh, did not really push engine, but that was by choice. It, it wasn't that the fact that there was no demand for it and that their customers were using engine parts. It's basically the independent distributor, I think, doesn't feel that they understand it or they might be fearful of it, but it's a very good business. And in today's environment where so many private label programs are coming in and prices continue to become more and more competitive. And it's even hard to tell the difference between one brand and another. Uh, and the way some of the technologies are going, like in brakes, where you have, uh, you know, drum brakes are, are giving way to uh, air disc brakes, which is, you know, I mean, everybody's going to be in the air disc brake business. So it's going to be harder and harder for them to to grow their business with the profit. And I think Engine is a great new avenue for them to tap into some new revenue channels and some new margin. You know, I think you're absolutely right. The parts distribution companies that aren't selling engine, especially on the aftermarket side, it is a choice. And I'd like to talk a little bit more about the kind of common objections that some 
leadership groups of, of aftermarket parts companies would have of why maybe they wouldn't want to be. And let, let's talk about those objections and then, then we'll talk about why there's another side to that coin. Yeah, I mean, the, the ones that do it, do it very well. And there are some independent heavy-duty truck parts distributors that do a great job with, with engine and uh, they're very important to us. And, you know, even some of the biggest national footprint uh, players in the market do extremely well with engine. And they could even do more. So I, I do believe there's something there that, that scares them or they just don't feel comfortable or they feel it's too complicated, or they feel it's too broad. I mean, there's a lot of different engines out there, and and engines are you know have thousands of components. I think in IPD brand we have um, you know close to twenty thousand different part numbers, so it can be a little bit in- intimidating. And that's why we we brought a program to the independent distributors called Make Engines Easy, where we want to be that extra counterman, be you know behind the counter that is knowledgeable on, on engine. Uh, that we're very accessible. We're just a phone call away or online click, and we can get you the answers and the expertise that you need to feel comfortable. They're, they are walking by engine parts business every day, and they don't have to do that. And a lot of times it, it could be going back to the OE, and the OE, of course, is going to use that to their advantage to sell, you know, wheel end components and lights and what, you know, all the other stuff that the independent distributor is selling. So, why let them into your business? Why not compete with them on, on all aspects of the truck and not just a couple of different areas? You know, one of my mentors in sales taught me that sign or objections are the signposts that lead you to the sale. So when it comes to this uh, reluctancy and, and even fear, I think some of it's also connected to the fact that like if you sell the wrong part or a part that doesn't, you know, stand up uh, for a wheel end, like it can be bad, but it's not necessarily the same cost to the cut to the end user customer as if the engine needs to be rebuilt a second time. And so I know I've heard, I've heard people actually say that they've said, Hey, look, if something goes wrong with the wheel end, it might cost us $2,000. If something goes wrong with the engine, it could cost us 40,000. So I don't want to go there. Like, what do you say to someone who has that concern? Well, I mean, if something goes wrong, wrong with the wheel and it could cost a life. Uh, you know, an engine, when it breaks the engine, you know, the truck stops. But, you know, a lot of these other critical components, yeah, it may not cost much to do a warranty, but there are also a lot of liability involved in it. So I think that kind of evens its way out. But when you take a look at, you know, potential mistakes that are made, the distributor isn't necessarily dropping those engine parts into the engine. So there, there is a bit of shared responsibility there for the person that is actually doing the rebuild. And I think a lot of their customers, you know, they might be installing brakes and everything else, and they might be also building engines. So there's some shared responsibility there, you know, but we do have warranties that if there is any sort of a defect in something that has caused a failure, you know, there is a two-year unlimited miles progressive warranty, meaning that if one part fails, we restore that engine back to its original condition. By the way, if that customer bought something from the OE and the OE did not install it, a lot of times they'll just give you back the part. You're still on the hook for the labor and everything. So an independent distributor can actually give an enhanced protection to their customers with the aftermarket warranties that are out there as opposed to an OE warranty. 
So that's one objection. And, and we're very good at what we do. Uh, you know, because these are critical components, you got to get it right because, you know, we don't make something that's going to cost a $500, you know, replace an oil bath seal or something. We make a mistake and it can cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So there's a lot of technology, a lot of uh, quality monitoring, a lot of, uh, of our own manufacturing and others that uh, really make sure that that part that we put in the box is right the first time. Right from a quality standpoint, right from a fit and finish and dimension standpoint, and right from a support standpoint to say this is the right part to put into that engine. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you want to make your marketing stand out? Well, you can't sound or look like everyone else. If you sell heavy-duty parts, it's time to create your unique message, a message that truly stands out. And we can help. Our team provides consulting and marketing services to heavy-duty companies. Go to heavydutypartsreport.com slash standout to learn more. That's heavydutypartsreport.com slash standout. Before the break, we were talking about why parts distribution companies, especially in the independent channel, why they should consider selling engine parts. And Bill, you were talking about uh, some of the differences in warranty uh, from, let's say, doing wheel end where the parts on the warranty might not be that much, but a life is at risk. On the other hand, with an engine, that truck just stops. So it's not necessarily risking someone's life. But then, of course, the cost to repair that engine a second time is so much higher. This is part of the fear that uh, seems to be almost embedded in selling engine parts, kind of preventing people from selling engine parts. You know, I remember talking to a few uh, independent repair facilities as well and um, when I was selling parts and talking to them about whether or not there was a willingness on their part to buy engine parts from the aftermarket, from an aftermarket supplier and manufacturer. What kinds of things have you heard of people? Like what kinds of objections do they have on the independent repair side? And how do we overcome that? Yeah, that's a good question because they want to save money too. I mean, the whole aftermarket is in place to not only bring a uh, competitive price to the market, but also a lot of times we can um, outperform the OEs when it comes to service and quite honestly, quality a lot of times. So, you know, a lot of times there's an education factor there for that independent rebuilder to understand that, uh, you know, for, for years it's called will fit, might fit, you know, won't fit parts and so forth. But the industry has really evolved so much past that, that this is highly technical, high quality products that uh, once you can start to show them and not only how we meet the demands of the current part that they might be buying, if it's from an OE as an example, but then how the aftermarket a lot of times brings solutions to problems or enhancements to products because our products are built to be replaced with parts, not on the original engine. So a lot of times we can actually improve on the products, improve on designs, or come up with something totally different to fix a problem that has become inherent with that particular engine. So that's a luxury that we have on the aftermarket side that we're always looking to improve and uh, find new ways of doing things. Right. And and the expression heavy duty engine parts, I mean, that is a really broad category as well. Could you speak to some of the opportunities that maybe people in the independent aren't even aware of? 
Well, yeah. I mean, once you're in the engine parts business, the world is your oyster. I mean, there are engines everywhere. There's uh, generators, uh, agricultural applications, uh, pumps, oil and gas applications. And, you know, and, and so once you get good at it, you know, everything starts coming at you from an engine standpoint. So it's, it's not just the 18-wheeler going down the road. You know, there's, there's a lot of industrial applications there, too. And so once you embrace it, you'll, you'll, you'll be amazed at how many opportunities there are. And that could also open up doors and new market niches for a distributor that, um, you know, might, have, might have only been focusing on one particular uh, market niche within the heavy duty realm. Right. I'm thinking something as simple as if you're only doing class eight, now you have the, that medium duty truck that opens up to you. Then, like you said, you get into industrial and agriculture and all of those things. All of a sudden now, what other parts can you sell? What other products can you sell to those customers? It really starts to expand the addressable market that you have as a independent and aftermarket distributor. So that sounds really good to me. You said one thing that just triggered in my mind, an auxiliary question, if you will. You said once you get good, what kind of investment, what kind of time frame does it take a company to really get up to speed where they can be proficient? Well, the engine parts business is a deep rabbit hole to go in. Uh, there's different ages of engines and different technologies of engines. I think there's, what, five different um, piston, evolution of piston designs over the last 20 years and so forth. You know, within the aftermarket, we're, of course, looking back about 10 years for the engines, uh, for the second and third owner when it comes out of warranties and so forth. So when, you, when I say get good at it, I, I, maybe it's more get comfortable. And have that commitment, even from the the top down, from a, from from a distributor that, hey, we're going to make this part of our portfolio. Just like you know, we're going to embrace driveline. Why not embrace engine? And the more you do it, the more comfortable that you get. And knowing that you've got a partner behind you, like with IPD, with our Make Engines Easy, that we're going to get you the answers. We're we're going to be your resident expert if you don't have one. But I think. What I've noticed in time, I've, I've traveled with a lot of distributor salespeople and I'm, I'm kind of focused on my one brand or, the, you know, the, the bucket of brands that I've been involved with. And you see this vast uh, knowledge that they have. You know, I remember we're doing some break, uh, you know, in my past life, we were doing some break discussions and some field work. And then the sales guy, you know, looks over at a trailer with a door broken and he says ah hey let me order your door for you and it gets on the phone and then hey he needs a 42856 door get it delivered you know how do they know all of this stuff so i think once they embrace it a lot of the um, distributors have this wide uh, range of knowledge that they seem to just kind of sponge in and, and absorb that i think they'll become more more comfortable and can identify an engine and know what they're strong at and, and go after it I'm not going to hold you to this because nobody has a crystal ball, but what would you say to someone who says, well, hey, look, the whole commercial, industrial, and even automotive, like the whole world is moving towards electric vehicles. Is this something I should even bother getting involved in today? What would you say to the, someone who had that objection? Uh, well, I'm old. And and I lived through the fact that we we're going to have an ice age uh, back in the '80s. I, I remember now it's now we're all going to you know to burn up. I remember we're going to die from killer bees. I remember overpopulation by the year 2000. We're supposed to be out of oil, you know. So there's always some uh, something, some trend that's supposed to change the world. And if you really look back, the world, you know, it, it changes pretty slow. 
And so uh, don't believe everything you hear. Electrification of vehicles, it is going to be something that is going to be a part of our uh, business moving forward, but it's not going to take over tomorrow. There are a lot of hurdles that that particular market needs to get over. Number one, just, you know, the contents of them are what's called rare uh, minerals, cobalt and lithium and nickel and so forth. Um, These are hard to get. It's it's not like oil that's, uh, you know, that's coming out of the ground in places. You have to really go mine that. And there's only a few places around the world that has it. So I think that's going to be a constraint. I'm also happen to live in California. And it's, it's kind of funny because our governor said, yeah, gee, in uh, 2030, we're, you know, 2030, I think we'll just pick that date. We're going to be all electrical vehicles being sold in the California. And most Californians laugh because when it gets hot out, we have rolling brownouts. You know, we don't often run our air conditioners in California, but when it gets hot, we all turn them on and the grid is not enough to handle it. So we um, have rolling brownouts. When the wind blows, because um, sparks happen from wires uh, and we have these fire problems, we actually turn off the energy, the electricity, the large sections of our population to protect protect against fires. So if you are now just plugging in your car every day, how do you handle 50 million more cars being plugged in and run your air conditioner on the grid? So the grid is going to be an issue as well as, you know, charging stations and, and so forth. So there's a lot that has to be done. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. Actually, it's funny because just last week we presented to our board of directors because they asked the same question, where is this business going? And the best we could find with all the information that is out there is that energy is going to be very high demand. So everything is projecting by 2040 to grow, including oil will reach new heights, including natural gas. I think that's, that's an area that um, people ought to start looking at. I know we are. We have a lot of natural gas applications within our product lines. And then electrification is just one of, uh, of them. And so I think they're all going to grow, and, uh, but it's not going to take over. And then, of course, in the heavy-duty business, we're about you know, 10 or 15 years behind the automotive. And in the aftermarket, we're about um, you know, 10 to 15 years behind you know, the current truck that's coming off of the, the showroom floor today. We're not going to have a crack at it from an engine standpoint replacement for maybe 10 to 12 to 14 years. So even if everything um, switched over tomorrow to electric, you know, you're still looking at over a decade before we would even touch it. So I think it's much ado about nothing at this point. It's something to, to definitely look at. I can tell you, I've got some friends with Teslas and um, you pop open the trunk of a Tesla and there's there's no parts in there. So uh, I think we better hope that uh, some of these governors and so forth are not correct. And, and we all do run into, you know, with the batteries because um, it's very boring from a parts standpoint. But I think I don't think it's going to take over. There's too many different variables, too many different costs. And oil continues to be very, very cheap. And as long as that's cheap, I don't think it's it's going to take over the world. So if you're 15 years old and thinking about becoming a diesel mechanic, I would say, my gosh, do it. You can make a very good living. You can live anywhere around the world and you will always be in demand. That's one of the um, statistics that I saw in a conversation I had with John Ademi, who works with OEs. And and he brought forth some information that basically said, if you are just entering the heavy-duty industry right now you will retire you you have the ability to work in it your entire life and still be able to be part of the industry so um 
you know, that that gives you an indication of of how long it's going to take for some of these things to completely change. That being said, I, th- I think we all understand that pockets of the industry will change a lot faster than others. I'd like to end our conversation today with maybe a little story. Can you just tell us a story, uh, a success story of someone who was a little bit hesitant to get into engine, but when they did, they had great success? Yeah, I've got a, actually a distributor uh, who's I'm also Facebook friends with, and he um, he's a truck parts distributor. And so I, I kind of gave him a hard time because he posted something about a, a sale on some engine part uh, on some truck parts on on uh, Facebook. And so I shot him a note. I said, "Don't go on. Why don't you just post something, and I'll give you some engine numbers." And lo and behold, he posted them, and he sold. He sold a couple kits. He was thrilled, and he made some very nice margin on it. We actually drop shipped it for him. We gave him the part numbers. We quoted him the price. He gave it to his customers. Customers said, "I'll take it." We drop shipped it. He didn't even really have to touch it, and you don't always have to. It's nice to have them on the shelf because when you have engine parts available and the, and and the customer needs them. They need it now, but we were able to drop ship it for him. He went in to, to then call on this customer, and he found uh, that um, he was this particular customer fleet was going to the OE for their brakes and drums and everything else. So he was able to capture that business too, and it became a great customer for him. And I sat and I asked him. I said, "Look, you know, you just made a four thousand dollars sale, and you made some nice margin on it. What would you do? What would you have to do to sell that much in drums?" You know, here you have just a little half pallet, nice, nice, neat box with with uh, with an engine kit in it. It's all nice and clean. And uh, you know, he said I would have had to have three delivery trucks full of drums. You know, and drums, which by the way are taking up half of his warehouse that he has to pay pay for every square foot for. And he kind of got a big chuckle. We both got a chuckle out of it. That yeah, I need to sell more engine because. Uh, you know, it's you, you can't get out of the, out of the drum business. It's a necessary, you know, part of the um, you know the the offering. But you can really enhance things. And when you look at it like that, it's like, wow, you know, this is probably something that I should look at. And if you do, I would say look look to IPD and uh, and and remember our our program of make engines easy. We would love to you know to kind of just put you in into that business and then be that resource for you and be that guy to to kind of get you started and build that knowledge base. And you don't have to be afraid of it from, from day one. You can start going out and shaking the trees and see what happens. There's a lot of business out there. There's a lot of great opportunities. And I think with, with the changes in the marketplace, uh, the prudent engine part, uh, the, the uh, prudent truck parts distributor is, is going to start looking at an engine more and more. And we will be there for them. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. We've been speaking with Bill Murth, Director of Business Development at IPD. He now has joined the club of the third time on the podcast. He's with a very select group of people. To learn more, go to ipdparts.com. Bill, thank you so much for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report a third time. Thank you, Jamie. I look forward to number four. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and i just like to remind everyone to focus on cost per mile and... Let's keep those trucks and trailers rolling. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the Independent Parts and Service Channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. 
Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDATruckPride and let the heart of the Independent Service Channel take care of your commercial equipment.